Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Free today. Take two is gone. Welcome to our new podcast at Channel 2, Take 3, because this literally is Take 3 for the this, podcast This today. is the third attempt at... I'm having engineering issues, like getting the modulation right, getting us to actually record, all the basics to get us here so you can listen to us. The so, NASA-like board and the work to produce this show is... I know. Amazing. It's humbling. It's I know. You think of it. Yeah. It really is. And I wish you could all be here with us and there were cameras because we are mm-hmm. rocking old school today. That's it. Greg... Uh, is wearing a Reagan Bush shirt from 84. That's right. 84 is a great year. And it's then an awesome year. <laughs> Mara comes in here with her, what is it, Air Obama shirt? Yeah, my Air Obama. It's which isn't, like which a is classic Air Jordan. But she with wore that to trigger Rob. me. You know, that's what yeah. she's trying to do, trying to trigger me with trying, that ridiculous Greg, listen shirt. Listen to your voice. You're yeah, like, it's ugh. just, ugh. Yeah. And Stress. the funny thing is, is before Stress. you took your sweatshirt off, we didn't even know you had that yeah, on. And we it, were taking pictures with just Air Obama. You, you know, didn't even and you let know us why, know. Heidi? Because You're she ashamed. wore that to try to trigger me. I this is just a wardrobe choice. This is just an everyday. I looked at my closet red, and I thought and I will wear this red, beautiful Reagan Bush mm-hmm. '84 shirt because it's just. I'll tell I you my favorite nice. political shirt. I sleep in it every night, and I must have been doing it for a year now because it's one year since the vice presidential debate we had here in Utah, right. University of Utah. And you know when you usually get a free T-shirt, it's like itchy and garbage, mm-hmm. yeah. and you just don't want it? It's luxurious, the it's shirts a nice they one. have. Yes, <laughs> they, I they, love it. You know, there are some brands out there nowadays where they the are university? nicer I think the university quality. must have done it. And I had an intern with me. And you know how you have interns because they're excited because it's the first political event right. they've been to. So they were running around And that was actually stuff. a big deal to be a nationally televised president. Yeah, pre- and she brought me back a t-shirt. President. And mind you, it's large enough if I belted it, I could wear it as a dress <laughs> with heels. But it's like awesome. So That's anyhow, the infamous fly yeah. debate where the fly landed on... We remember Vice President Pence, and, which was yeah. a complete Classic. planned attack on our poor right. Vice President. The from crazy the left. part is that debate. I don't know what's happened in the last year, but it feels like three years ago to I me. Agree. I can't believe it's only been a it year. Is, yeah, it is crazy, isn't yeah. it? It has it has gone. Um, it it feels like a long, long time ago. So I feel bad that I don't have a T-shirt on, yeah. but I do um, have a leopard print on, which is a little crazy for me. Normally, I wear just the primary colors. Yeah, so here we true. are. Yeah, yeah, very animalistic on a Friday there you know, and, and leather is that pleather I mean did you kill an animal for that I whole on song or what leather skirt but this is it leather. is oh it's okay <laughs> but I, as a vegan so I do she's wear happy I was still. just gonna say Mara is just so proud of you I'm like eh, pleather here. that's you know I know I like Greg, the real deal you do Rawhide. Greg real, acts like real he's leather. not into fashion but last night you noticed that I was looking a little wild and you were uh, into it and I had but I had to check with social justice warrior over here to my literal left uh to find out if I could even mention such things because if you yeah, do it could be seen this as is a very the speech that white men give about being alert <laughs> aware to other people well here's just, the funny thing yeah. I, I don't it. notice a lot so like, i just thought I'd my mention. husband really hates it, nice. it. He d- he's not a fan when i curl my hair and mind you when i curl my hair because it's so short it looks like i was electrocuted <laughs> and someone just didn't like fully go through with it but I, you gotta mix i it thought it was sometimes. good i thought i, I saw this the broadcast and i thought oh, that's a that's good because it's, it's different than the way you wear it 
at other times. And I, even as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, I'm listening to myself going, I'm just getting in trouble here somehow. I can't you get lots of feedback. Right? I do get a lot of feedback. That's and interesting. The funny thing is, is I'm super controversial right now because I tweet um, the numbers for people getting sick with coronavirus and right. those who are breakthrough cases. So sometimes I like to have crazy hair just to give other people. <laughs> Why does that bother people? I don't know. People just don't like it. But um, older women, not a big fan of the curly, crazy hair. Oh, so you've Younger spotted demographics in these yes, there observations? Are demographics. And men, I'll send me messages like this. I'll read one off of um, the Instagram. It's not terrible, but it's always this. Love the hair tonight. You look a little wild and, dare I say, naughty. I'm loving it. Oh. And oh, men, that's inappropriate right for there. for some reason, like when you're, my hair looks crazy, they're like, ooh, it looks naughty. And I'm like, <laughs> this is not naughty. It's just like, like what is this? Yeah. So then it makes me never my want to curl my hair. My wife is yeah. convinced that... The, our, my gender is doomed. She's always she's she any anytime that's, there's a terrible that's not crime. Just your wife, Greg, on, on the news, she just makes sure I know that there's these aren't women committing these crimes. You, you know, there's no, a common never. denominator. I generally here. would like to say that all men are not bad. I like men. I would I like, like to my think husband. That. I would um, like to I, think I that, that the gender is him. not doomed and that we are actually contributors to this whole absolutely you know, like i don't want to take the garbage right? out on sundays no? sure there are roles for you <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what i can't even argue with that i uh, i get the sense very strong that, that that's my role i have roles that oh I'm we all have roles to, we play we and roles. we've all played out our roles in this but it's sort of final again till it's not final uh bears ears and grand staircase escalani are back to their full size i would say i guess original size it keeps being like a hamburger at burger king where it's a full size it's a yeah. medium it's a small fry anyhow uh, our congressional delegation as we know has uh, made it fairly clear that they wanted this to not be in the president's hands but something to be done in congress where there was something permanent so there wouldn't be a yo-yo uh, greg i know you're not loving this no. is it what you expected Deborah Helen came here, Holland, I want to say her name, Helen, because that's how it's spelled. She came here, I think she um, really listened to people, whether Biden listened to her or what her takeaway was. They did go through the steps of coming here, listening to tribal leaders, listening to county commissioners. So should we respect the decision Biden made? I, I think it's tragic. And, I, and I'll tell you that that um, I, 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 I took pictures uh, throughout the experience when President Obama was leaving office and in December of 2016, he uh, made he designated these monuments or monument Bears Ears Monument, and we had a press conference. I flew down with legislative leaders, and we met uh, the main street in uh, San Juan County. It there was it was full. People were upset uh, that this designation had occurred. Uh, later, we had Secretary of the Interior Zinke come to do kind of what you just described that the Biden administration's uh, secretary did. And uh, there were helicopter tours, uh, and there was a, a I believe a real earnest desire to dialogue with the with the community and we and I was part of that I joined him in my in those tours I saw the public come forward and then ultimately the president of the United States came to Utah in December of 17 and signed a reduction so if we looked at it with just political eyes and said this is just going to be one side of the political spectrum versus the other our request uh, myself I as a speaker of the house ran a resolution with the Senate president Niederhauser asking uh, the the Trump administration to rescind to rescind and remove the designation entirely, and that is not what happened. They kept it, but they Trump didn't they listen it. to you. They didn't. He should have, I guess. But I tell you that they. I think it was a very thoughtful process, and what you saw was you saw a, a shrinking of, and they gave good reasons why they left the monument in place, but they made it considerably smaller, and I would argue appropriately. Uh, 
but that's not what happened here. They just went and rubber stamped the status quo of what happened in December of 18. And I don't think it went through that kind of uh, more judicious process. And if you look at the original designation, they actually argued that starry skies and, and the quiet of night was what they were trying to protect as well. There were just some stretches in terms of what they were justifying as a national monument. And I, it just makes my hair stand up in the back of my neck when I hear, there's going to be so much tourism because of this. Well, that's not really what Teddy Roosevelt was talking about when he wanted to preserve some of uh, our of nature's greatest treasures. It actually does the opposite. You have more trampling over. We heard this even in our tour that volunteer search and rescue, since that designation had happened by Obama, there were there was damage. There were there was more traffic. There were more calls for search and rescue as people were being lost, and it was not uh, preserving or protecting that land as advertised. And you and you don't get that if all you're talking about is uh, tourism. So. Say you want to do something that creates more tourism, but saying you're doing it and creating a national monument in the, in the same breath saying we're going to protect all of this, it's not true. And, and I will tell you this, finally, and I know you've been very patient, and Mara, therefore, you will never see another president of any party go into a small, very small rural county like San Juan County and change this. There is no upside politically nationally for doing it. There is a downside nationally with the environmental interests that do not want to see this happen. So it is a it is a net net easily a negative for any president to do it. It's why George W. Bush didn't do it, and I felt that the that the concerns that San Juan County residents, both Native Americans, people that live there, it was it was a diverse crowd. They felt like you'd see someone at a at the, like the Simpson Avenue Salt Lake City hearing whether there should be a homeless resource center in their neighborhood. They they were as concerned about their where they grew up and what was going to be impacted around their community as you would see people in a in a hearing for land use decisions in Salt Lake City. And it, the, the the tone and the frustration was the same. The difference is people in Salt Lake City can go to a public hearing in Salt Lake. Uh, the people of San Juan County will never have audience with a president to make that case again. And it will never, it'll never be adjusted again. It's not a ping pong. It doesn't sway back and forth. It'll never be touched again because no one, there isn't a president that'll spend capital on that. I don't know. The interesting thing, though, is this has turned Mara into this Democrat and Republican debate. But when I look at it, there's so many different facets and pieces to this because we're talking about when you look at San Juan County, you know, do they have the money and, you know, the ability to take care of this? We look at businesses. Do they need to be ready for tourists? Do they not need to be ready for tourists and spending? And we're talking about tribes and there's just so much that goes into this. Is this a win or is it like, okay, we've just got one more decision that could be changed again? I mean, I would define win as in 50 years, will we look on back on this and appreciate that it was done from my point of view yes I do think the Biden administration did due diligence on it and I think we've seen you know you could have made the argument maybe that the Clinton administration didn't but I think the Biden administration did do the due diligence what's the difference I, honestly I, I, I don't I, know the difference I mean, between Clinton he, they and did Biden's. pretty much the same thing that Trump did um, they had advisors come in they yeah. took in data for me to one a, one really important piece that I think that the Biden administration uh, did pay a lot of attention and deserves a lot of attention is the tribal voice and the five tribes are on board with the biden plan the locals are split and and it's a really tough issue when you live proximate to these um attractions wherever they are and you have a couple you have a county down there and you have a couple of towns who were for the expansion and then you have several towns that were against the expansion and locals all over the place but i do think it's interesting i'll just overuse the word local because i do think it's really important that when we talk about locals the tribal voice and this really matters from my point of view. And I do think that that was taken into consideration. The other thing that's interesting
interesting as part of the expansion is um, Trump's uh, 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 jurisdiction expanded it partially. So his partial, yeah. he split it into two parts. And so that reunited and then he had an, a, not major acres actually, but small acres were reconstituted and back in there. But from my point of view, if the test of good public policy and the test of special places and, and um, so Utah is blessed and burdened by having a number of special places in the, in the world. And if you've ever been to the places and camped and spent time there, which I have spent quite a bit of time in that area, for better or worse for those who also call it local home, mm-hmm. these are extraordinarily special places. And I think that it'll stand the test of time in 50 years. We will be appreciative that to some degree it was it, it was protected and protections do mean restrictions. And I think that in yeah. this instance it will serve uh, And America I'll be really well. brief because I don't want to get – I'm not trying to get the last word on this. I just want to make two distinctions. One is that when we talk about tribal support or opposition, it was the more global and the tribal support from a broader jurisdiction. The local tribes that live actually on in that location, that area, were opposed to it, which I think is important to note the difference. Uh, and and but that's not quite true. No, I, I actually, wanna, I, I, I mean, I was clear. there. I mean, I you, you were there. We for saw, the, we heard the testimony. There, Mara. You were I mean, there they were, for the Trump round, and I don't want to. And I, Greg, I didn't discredit yeah, that. No. But to be clear, that is not accurate. I, and I didn't. I, that's just. I will just tell you what I was hearing in the event when I was participating in this, and this is what. I mean, yeah. some of the, the, and it was who the Trump press invited. conferences were speaking. They were speaking in a language that wasn't English, and this was this was meant for other people. The other issue is. The listeners need to know that this land was and would always be Bureau of Land Management land. This was always federal land. So I don't want to think that it was public or private property that was going to be developed and paved over at some point. Uh, Bureau of Land Management federal land does have a degree of protection. And I think that where at least, and I'll give you this, I would say of those that were opposed, we're not going to say it was, I'm not going to claim the whole town, I guess, um, the idea that it had to, it required additional protection because they weren't good stewards of the land that they lived on and proximate to, they took offense to. And I, I think there's, I think that that is something but that, that wasn't be asserted. They took offense, but when you because it wasn't being damaged, it's actually being damaged when more people are trudging over it, and right. that's what happens when it becomes when more known. When you assert monuments, they're not value statements, and when you move into value statements of offense, you move from policy to politic. And so mm. I appreciate that they had offense, and I appreciate that I, I those who I don't had think it was being who damaged. had free grazed in that area, but it was federal land. This is within the purview of the. Um, president. And I do think that in the long run, we talked about last um, time sort of how Congress is doing business. We we are at a precipice where we're we're pushing the red button a lot on both mm-hmm. sides, right? We're going to it's the, exhausting. It is exhausting, and so it's it's a hard place because on one hand I support this measure, on the other hand, boy, I wish we would all move back away from it. And, you know, look, Alaska has exempted itself out of this uh, this federal mon- this monument practice. Uh, I think Wyoming what I think has our done as well. We're hoping, and so I just you, you, we don't even have a level playing field on this. Uh, as states. And I think that when Teddy Roosevelt did this, there wasn't an environmental protection agency. And I would like to see Congress uh, be leaders and, and really start deciding these things on a, a more judicious, in, in a more judicious way and a, a fair way. You, How do you get states that get to exempt themselves out of any consideration for this? It's just not right. I mean, it should, you ought to be able to look at these things and even ask the question that what Teddy Roosevelt did, do you even need that practice anymore given the other safeguards that we've put in place since his presidency in the early 1900s. I mean, can we find a better way to do it? 
uh, making it a political football certainly won't. I will say, though, that I don't think there's a Republican president that will ever reverse a national monument. I don't think it'll ever happen. So, And I say good for the Republican president who won't and good for the Democratic president who who. Who stops I know this that of course that's no I mean like we we do need to start the, stop the process but I, yeah. I I think we won't regret bears ears yeah we'll wait and see the interesting thing is is you know how many people go there I would like to say that I'm a poor planner and um, the <laughs> October fall break for kids is coming up and I thought I'm just gonna go look and see if I could yeah. go down by bears ears or grand staircase or canyon lands or Moab and I was willing to camp stay in an Airbnb anything. I will say there's nothing, nothing to be fair. Bluff is the best city in the state. Bluff, if you haven't okay. ever stayed in Bluff, Utah, stay in Bluff, Utah. I'm telling you right now, I learned so much on these tours, and I actually came away from brag, the, the tour helicopter. with uh, Secretary Zinke with a deeper appreciation of wanting to preserve some of these treasures. I I was yeah. I thought it was don't it make me like take everything the cheap else. shot in which this is the first time. Greg has seen these precious no, properties no. and was like, oh, you I can't know what, Mara? There's this. no one that gets to see them at the, van- at the height and vantage point that the tour that the secretary was able to take. No, it, it was not, a unique way to true. see there the whole thing. There are people who have been I- I- engaged with these properties for years and years. You can't beyond you can't. the supersonic helicopter and actually on the ground. It is beautiful down there. It it horizon Horizon amazing. doesn't do it justice. It's a very different view. It's I'm telling beautiful. You. There. It was. It was. My it mother was and father-in-law lived down there for years, oh, not because right. they had grandkids or anyone around. They just loved the beautiful yeah. outdoors there. And the, so the horse on the hill. Yes. Yeah, so there's all kinds of beautiful things. There are not so beautiful other things going on this week. Um, I want to talk. A little bit more um, congressionally for a minute. Uh, Senator Lee this week and also now Chris Stewart uh, joining in the call for the feds to walk away from school board meetings. Uh, Chris Stewart tweeting, an angry parent is not a domestic terrorist. And um, Lee is saying, stay away from our school board meetings. Uh, He signed a letter and basically telling the DOJ or the Department of Justice not to interfere with local school board meetings or threaten the use of federal law enforcement to deter a parent's free speech. This is all um, coming uh, about because of CRT and uh, Mara, you start here. Uh, do we do we need the feds in our meetings? Do we need to be threatened with that? And then do we need to counter threaten? I don't yeah, know. So I'm just like, come so on, guys. we don't. But let's just light this up for a minute, Mister Hughes. Let's light it up. I am I am ready to what launch on this one. A bit of malarkey. This was political theater at its best. Uh, and I'll just say, are we talking about the DOJ? The or DOJ, ta- the letter, the pleading to you know not have federal officials. Let's roll it back and actually look at what happened because I. I get a round of applause for political theater once again this week for Mike Lee. But it is it's so not, shallow. I don't know how Merrick you can Garland, say Merrick Garland, all this was, all this was, was the the school association, which isn't, uh, which isn't employed by federal government, reached out and said, we're highly concerned about some of the threats we're seeing. Merrick Garland said, go check it out and see if we should do anything. That's all that happened. That's and what, then, you think that's and all? Then you all think that's, of the senators run to their reelection committees no, no. and scream that we shouldn't have jackbooted FBI thugs beating on these precious parents. Now, given that, no, no one thinks that the federal government should go in and pound these parents. All that was asked on behalf of people who represent superintendents, I do think there's a level of vitriol. I do think there's concern by teachers and superintendents and school Welcome administrators. Welcome to public service. And teachers and superintendents who had no expectation of this, and they just 
asked if some of the FBI would review this and see if there were protections. This wasn't about any individual parent. The FBI is not tracking them. It, this is much ado about nothing, and it's political theater. Okay, so just let me go now. Tell I, us I, about I've the political theater. I've sat here listening. This, the, the exercise I love to go through is just flip the issue and see if you would just be as like, huh, who cares? If you took an issue, say who cares. if you take, uh, took an issue that liberals were passionate about or that they cared about and you had, yes, you had we, an we absolutely ridiculous premise. Schools. No, no. I'm saying if you took something that you, that would okay, actually make say, you worry. Let's say parental um, rights, freedom if, of speech is what I care about. If the attorney general of the United States of America were to take such a ludicrous comment, like, can you te- can you, can you designate uh, parent angry parents that go to school board meetings as domestic terrorists and exercise the Patriot Act. If this, they said, I will look into it, you're making you up. would lose your mind. You would never let a Trump uh, administration uh, attorney general ever say that and not hold them accountable. You're but what I will say is this. It was also when they found out that this that a lot of what is being complained about is a company that Zuckerberg has helped funded that his his children, his wife's husband runs. There is a conflict there, and right. only so when that conflict was actually for this was actually put out there did everybody start retreating from it. When they asked Jen Psaki, this is where you know that what what Mara's saying is she'd like you to believe, but this is the honest truth. When Jen Psaki was asked about this idea of school angry parents going to school board meetings being treated as domestic terrorists and even staring at the patriot act she did not douse that idea and say it's absolutely ridiculous we we they they, she didn't say what you just said what she said is um we're not the attorney general that's down the street you'd have to ask him about that we're not a school board and we're not the attorney the doj so you'd have to ask as if they don't actually talk or they they don't have they don't know who you know merrick garland is they don't know she just she completely in this avoided Avoided she, answering a direct question that on that. The Supreme Court, right now. Oh my gosh! Yes. No, I would not prefer yes. that. I'm so grateful that we He's wasted. Do not have yes. him on there. Yeah, not oh. when we've got a beer drinking. But you know what? Loving when I when I hear this freedom. issue, because there's been an article they showed the, the the companies that his his child's husband runs that that does this data mining of of uh, the kids, asking them if they're comfortable with their sexuality and everything else. They listed in one of the articles. This, the large school districts in America that they have contracts with. And Jordan School District is one of them. Sorry, this okay? is Merritt Garland's? This is his daughter's husband's company that he runs. Oh, I thought he ran a company that taught uh, how to teach CRT. Yeah, that's it. But okay. they, they data mine to get that information. No, no, no. It's, it's, uh, it's, you're exactly right. But this is a scary part. They data mine information. And this is the part that gets into the deep grass that why I wanted to continue this discussion. When I was a state lawmaker and we looked at legislation uh, that would look at trying to improve how we deliver education to kids, two things would happen. If there was a vendor, if anyone said, look, we have a way to help teachers get continuing education. It's an online thing. You don't have to go to the actual Mm -hmm. brick and mortar school. Uh, you can argue that you like that idea as a vendor, as a third party that you would contract with or not. And you can have that debate, but that's what a vendor is. Or English is a second language. Can you have a software that children can learn English uh, because the teacher might not, not, it might not be a language they understand or can communicate in. Is that a vendor that a school district would want to hire or would the state want to help with uh, funds uh, to, to have that vendor? We've had an ongoing debate in the state legislature about the role of vendors in the delivery of education. What infuriates me and the story about this particular company is that they are getting information about children 
that we've been told in, in school districts have said FERPA and federal law doesn't allow us to give you any information about these kids. They have defined this company uniquely as as a school district, uh, what they call it, an agency or a, a school district. They, they are not defined as a vendor when they absolutely are. And so for them to call them an official of the school district to be able to then get that information about these students when we have had these ongoing discussions in policy about the role of vendors in the delivery of education, that's what I really feel is under the radar and is deceptive and is wrong. You cannot have a company like this getting access and doing things that principally we've been told and we've operated under this set of rules that you can't get that student information and you're not supposed to be able to do that. So that's a little, that, that, that this that part right, of the story to it that yeah. part of the story you can read over very quickly and not really understand what would be significant there but i know what's significant about that and it's not right you it, it, it removes them from that vendor discussion and about accessing students information which is really sacrosanct or was you weren't supposed to be able to do that or you were very careful on where that information went they have circumvented that and i i find that to be one of the worst parts of this whole uh, story that's broke recently about this issue. Well, this whole story started with Senator Mike Lee, and I'd like to return to him right now because he's up for he's re-election. He's a champion, and he's calling this out. Thank goodness. Yeah, he is up for re-election in a year. He has Ali Isom running against him. He has Becky Edwards. Now he has Evan McMullen. You may remember him uh, <laughs> from running for president in 2016. Uh, yeah. Garnered about 20% of the vote here in Utah for people who wanted a moral option that was not President Trump. He is back at him again. And I hate to even admit that I didn't know this. Mara had to notify me that there's a new Democrat in the race this week that I'm going to have to call and talk to, uh, Nick Mitchell. So uh, a lot going on here. Greg, uh, are you excited to see Evan McMullen back in the race and giving people an independent option? Yeah, it's an, it's offensive. He's a spoiler. He is funded by the elite that uh, want to spoil races. He uh, left that presidential race while he got 20% in Utah. He had about less than 4% nationally. But he left that campaign with an existing debt. I looked it up this week in the FEC. It's a, it's a publicly accessed uh, you know, Federal Elections Committee database. It's 669000 and change that he sits with debt to that presidential campaign. So now he's actively trying to raise money for a Senate race. Where does this guy come off being a fiscal conservative or anything if he's sitting on 670000 in debt from a presidential race and now he's going to restore integrity and responsibility and fiscal responsibility to a Senate race? Mike yeah, Lee. He should have done a Ponzi scheme it's with an this absolutely, house like Mike Lee and that would have been better. He's, he, I just, my biggest question about Evan McMullen is does he know he's a marionette doll or does he honestly st- see himself as a straight-faced candidate? Who do you think is pulling the strings? People that don't want Mike Lee to win. They want, they want to dilute votes. They want to try and take votes away from Mike Lee from different narratives and so different candidates like you think and I'm he, tired of that he that's, has a chance of that no I don't think it. I that's I think it's I think it's a I think it's offensive and I don't think it'll work offensive? but it's amazing yeah I, in a guy America that runs, for someone who wants to run well, for this, office no and I don't I don't find the concept do you, of running do you find to open elections I don't <laughs> I don't find open elections offensive Mara I find this individual and then the fact that he thinks he should and could run to be offensive. By the way, he said that when he was a little kid, he wanted to be a CIA agent. That'd be like your little kid coming up and saying, I'd love to be a sniper. 
Who wants to be a spy? Who wants to live? I mean, what kid wants? You want to be a My police brother. officer? Like, you want to be a cowboy? Okay, what little so, kid wants to be a spy? Okay, that is weird. Okay, that's just AM weird. Radio. I, I it's my turn. Weird. It's weird. It's my turn. Am so I, I'll just say there's two FM parts radio. of this that are that are FM. that are so interesting. And one is that I mean Evan McMullen is legit, right? He got twenty percent <sighs> of the election. He he is a viable candidate. Oh please! If you give that he's run a, a presidential presidential, I also think it's interesting that Ali Isom, Becky Edwards, and Evan McMullen are all would be considered right of center, traditional mainstream conservatives. And they are all, and, and in some ways they're, they seem to be staking out the same territory, which just shows you where Mike Lee uh, is on this. Now, so I think that, no, I, th- I think he's not. I think he's a little ideological and I think he's a lightweight. And I think as we had in our last discussion, he's all about the politic. But it does <laughs> show you the pushback um, that Mike Lee is getting. The polling also shows you the, how thin his support is. I have seen very few elected officials in which you can turn their likability numbers into dislike. So he's not heavily liked, according to the polling. He I feel is, like both he, of our senators are kind of at this point right well, now. Well, Romney's stronger than he oh, is. Oh, he is? Okay. Yeah, and so, and so he's got a thin likability with I the Republican electorate. But here's what's interesting about this. Okay. The more people who get in, Evan McMullen, in my opinion, just guaranteed Mike Lee the race, Thank which you. is a Thank bummer. Because I was going to, I was going to ask you a follow up question. Not to this, a good this senator for the state of Utah. Sharing. But I will say the problem is that he is going to. If you had one strong challenger, you may beat Mike Lee in the Republican segment. The second you have two or three choices, he's not that vulnerable. I, so if everybody peels away 6%, 4%, 2%, 8%, you've guaranteed Mike Lee. That let me just say this to listeners. If you don't know Mara Carabello, I will tell you that <laughs> she is one of the more knowledgeable people uh, in in the campaign and elections space. She, she knows. Are you saying that she because is a she's veteran. saying that Lee is going to no, win? No, no, no. <laughs> because I'm going to give, I'm going to ask a question and I know that it's she knows setup. the answer and we will see if setup. she will answer it because I know she knows the answer. Given the historical uh, results that come from elections in midterm elections. Sure. So when you have a Republican or, or Democrat that right. wins the presidency the and you minor- have a midterm. The minority wins. What is the historical outcome? And would you call Mike Lee in line with where that historical uh, voter sentiment lands, or would he be on the outside of that? The minority party wins because we're like flipping off the majority. So in this case, you would give you'd give half a dozen percentage points to you the Republicans already. You might think the conservatives a strong candidate already. in a midterm, huh? No, you wouldn't. You would think that you would think that the <laughs> no. you would think that this the majority you, party, oh, this the is majority terrible. party, you are terrible. The majority you, party. You don't believe what no, you're saying. No, Republicans right now. should have Republicans should have an edge this time. Yes, now, because they're in the minority. Conservative party. Republicans. You, you're getting a heavy dose of liberalism right now. But I right do now. think Mike. So you. We would never swap out. I, I think an independent run is foolhardy. I think it's a fool's errand. So while I think McMullen is a legit candidate, I think there is the viability of virtually nothing. I don't think an independent can win. I'll that, say that. That kills the definition of, 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 of a straight-faced real candidate, what you it's, just said. But I mean, so like, no chance. So, but I mean, he's a legit candidate, but he doesn't have a runway here. Okay. And then if you, I do think a single strong competitor could have beaten Mike Lee, but we don't have that. Now we're going to have a three-way split and this is your crowd's win. fault how come and they couldn't land on one candidate this is your you know she she elitist crowd how come they couldn't land on we one like candidate? to call ourselves moderates <laughs> but 
I, I, it is an interesting question. It is. I mean, and you know, part of it is there's so many people who think Mike Lee is doing such a bad job that I guess they just and they and they missed the they missed the memo that one. if they just dilute you know, each other's vote, it's, you know, uh, this is e- Greg. You ran for governor. Yeah. I mean, it's it, on she always paper. Go, Heidi, she always goes here. I feel like this is her way to kind of just. I mean, stick it to me. On paper, Jenny Wilson, it looks good. She didn't yeah. run um, for a federal office because I think she thought she'd win that. I think she ran to get the credibility with That's her right. party and then um, have another position as county mayor. That's just how I do it. Was it. Strategy, was yeah. it was strategy. Yeah, strategy. So maybe there's some strategy in here for some of the candidates. I don't know. I'm excited to get to know um, Nick Mitchell. Um, Democrats need. He's new given candidates. us a they choice. Need new blood. Yeah. Yeah. So I can't wait to, to meet the extent him. that the Democrats have to quit trying to influence Republican nominations and, and build their own party. I actually do concur that the Democrats yeah. should get good candidates and they should put their weight behind candidates of from their party that believe what they believe. This and that's, and that's how you get a two party system. And that there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. I can't stand it when everyone tries to blend into one party. That's so, terrible. 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 Do you know what else else is not else alts is not good? Uh, we have had uh, crime stats come out. I wasn't planning to talk about this, but I did have some follow up numbers. Um, last week we were talking about response times in Salt Lake City, and uh, Mara brought to light that they have a lot more officers than we ever. realized ever out there. Um, and so they do have a lot of officers. We called, and now this these are the numbers that their um, Department of Communications gave us. They said they have currently funding for 571 sworn officers. They have 512 uh, sworn officers on the force right now. They didn't give the specifics of how many are in training, but I think there's 30 or 40 is what we surmised. And then uh, they say they're currently down 59. But that's still a lot of officers, more than we've had before. Biggest force they've ever had. Yeah, but apparently. That, that is a different uh, way to say it than I've heard. You're Mara, and I trust because your background in this space, I trust that what you're saying is true. And interestingly enough, I know a lot of our um, police departments are down right now just because some have left the force with everything that's been going on the last year or so. There's been a lot of different issues that go into this. There's been to fund the police ideas. And at the same time, we're looking at uh, federal crime numbers that are coming out from the FBI and our DPS numbers that show uh, rapes actually are going down. But in our state, uh, homicides are going up. And that doesn't shock me. And this year, it even seems more. I feel like every single day on the news in the last two weeks, we've had a shooting where somebody's been killed, at least one. And I'm like, what is happening here in Utah? I'm, t- I'm going to tell you that I don't I, I don't think because you don't see the arrests and the, and the data that shows the arrests that these crimes are not occurring. I think that what happens is, and it might be the case that Salt Lake City has a stronger force than they've had in the past, but it is without doubt that law enforcement, good men and women in law enforcement who do not feel support from the jurisdiction that's that's hired them. So when you hear narratives of defund the police, uh, that does not instill confidence in an already dangerous job uh, for someone to continue in that profession. And at the same time, if we're going to paint law enforcement as the problem, uh, and we're not going to talk about the criminals, or we're going to we're going to shift the focus on law enforcement as if they are the bad guys. What young person? wants to enter into a career that is already inherently dangerous where they would be or potentially be described as the bad guy or gal. And so we're not seeing uh, our academies and and those that are choosing law enforcement as a profession, those numbers are drastically down. We're seeing people that are leaving. uh, And we're also hearing that disturbance calls uh, which were answered before uh, suicide threats and, and, and like we saw in the high profile case of the university of Utah football player, Aaron Lowe, six calls, Disturbance calls went unanswered, and only when gunshots were fired was, was a response uh, did a response happen. 
that is that is just not this spontaneous, you know, strange event that we can't put, draw lines to or connect the dots. We have had a real narrative that has been anti-law enforcement. And when you're anti-law enforcement, I'm going to tell you, it undermines your public safety. I think we are living through the consequences of that. And you can't see in this week's report, uh, the crime stats that came out that the Department of Public Safety, Utah's Department of Public Safety released a 44% increase year over year in homicides and think that we're we're in any kind of sane situation here because we're not. Just, and I, I just, I want to say we got to understand the consequences to being soft on crime and demonizing the police and know that this is what we're going to get. And uh, you can't hide a homicide stat, or maybe but you cannot charge other violent crimes. Some things, though, I, mean, I think we're fortunate in Utah in that there's been no major discussions of defund the police. We should say that, including the, Salt Lake no, City. No, that, Mara, they said, they, they said we're going to do zero-based. pronoun? No, listen, okay, Salt Lake City said, we are going to go into an exercise uniquely for the police department into zero-based budgeting. Let me tell you right. what that and, means. And, As a, and that they means increase their we're going to reduce. But you know what? It doesn't they, create I mean, certainty when you say we're going down to ground zero. You have no dollars. Yeah, and now we're going to build your budget one dollar at a time. Yeah, that that does up, not we make ended it up strong. And there was supposed yeah. to be but a delay. I forget there how was. that works. But I am telling yeah, you that when started. you say that, no, you might I, not even I, mean it, but it absolutely Greg, does you. undermine the morale I, of not, your law enforcement I'm when not, you say we're going down to zero. I'm not disagreeing with your position. I'm just, there are some, there perhaps some nuances that I'll take a minute. Okay. So, I mean, one, we're, I'm, we are fortunate that, by and large, we're not seeing, compared to some other cities and other states, right. we're not seeing. And you didn't see Salt Lake City's mayor or council enact a retribution. But they, they, well, they gave the plenty of lip service to it. They gave lip service to it big time. But mad, here's some I things I think that are really important when police statistics comes out. Um, in small states like Utah, it's really important to look at the raw aggregate and not percentages. Because let's just take a random small city and let's say that, you know, Parowan had a horrible incident. I mean, it could result in a 250% increase. And in fact, it was a single incident, incident. not meaning to minimize it, but raw numbers in small states are important. If so it's a always quiet, look quiet at, place and all of a sudden they have a murder well, I mean, you know, the six, first in 10 years. Six to 12 is double, but 12 is still maybe depending on what you're talking about. It's important to look at the raw number and not just the percentage in small states. It's also really important to book, look at the year-end, year-over average and the five-year and the 10-year average because you find that often crime, and this is me agreeing with you, Greg, just giving some other things I look at. They even out sometimes over a five-year average. I know you do this, but I would just say for listeners who are more interested, for me at least, I think it's really important to not look at percentages in Utah. I think it's important. The other red, the, the other bait and switch that often happens is crime goes up and you hear chiefs say, yeah, and we went out and arrested X. And often what you find is violent crime went up and they arrested for misdemeanors. And that, I think, is a common bait and switch in which they I say, don't like that. I don't either. And I think it's I think it doesn't solve it. it it's it's where you would call soft on crime. I would not take that 80s rhetoric away. But it's not hard on crime. Rest. I can tell you that. Yeah. It, yeah. Look, again, I don't think that what happened to this play. I think this was a high profile murder. What happened to this young man, this football player. But I think we can learn lessons from this. I think there's a lot going on in that situation that we can see as a pattern in this state. And one of them was this, the, the suspect in custody right now is named book book. He had an ag aggravated right. robbery with a weapon that yeah. was, that was pled down to a misdemeanor. Come on. Come on, that 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 young man, that guy should not have been out. He tricked a judge and, and on two different occasions. Are you telling me that an uh, aggravated yeah. robbery yeah. with a weapon is a misdemeanor? 
in our state, it is not, and it should have never been right. uh, charged as that. And so that is not a one-off, wrong place, wrong time that's right. moment. That is a that is a trend, and that is something that's happening in this state that this high-profile case brings our attention to. But all I would say is that is not a one-off situation. That's happening at a disturbing rate, and we've got to reverse that. And Greg, where you and I agree are it's not the rank-and-file men and women. They are serving us well. I, it is, I do agree it with that. It is absolutely a leadership problem. I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that is at the heart of it, and it's sad. And it's it's it anyway. So that's if we're going to agree, can you guys switch T-shirts and you wear the Obama, <laughs> Obama shirt and, and you wear chance. the Christian Reagan shirt? Yes. Just because she gets rational every once in a while, yes. you know. I just you know, kudos. That's why to we Mara. do this? So we can come together and share yeah. T-shirts and uh-huh. outfit swap and all that good stuff. <laughs> that's not going to happen, is it? No. I was no. wishing. <laughs> you're like no, no you're not. definitely you not you don't want to swap oh gosh well it has been T-shirts. fun talking these tough issues in the great state of utah and after all there's always something we can agree on and that's why we get together and talk Happy about Friday. it here on this week's take three thanks for being with us <laughs> take three